people and welcome back to the venti i'm your host brianna and happy father's day everyone you guys i am beyond excited to share this episode because this one is special for so many reasons not only is our guest considered what i will call a game changer but this person is also a father a friend a son a husband and a former Amazonian who started his own business that recently raised $2.3 million in seed investments. Yes, you heard me correctly, $2.3 million. And to top it off, this man is an Aggie alum hailing all the way from the DMV. So, as an Aggie myself, you can understand why I'm so excited to share this interview with you all and why I consider this to be so special. So once again, shout out to the best HBCU in the entire planet for culminating and producing black excellence all across the globe. The one and only illustrious North Carolina A&T State University, y'all. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm talking about the man himself, Donald Boone, everyone. And man, let me tell you, there was just this immense amount of pride that I felt while I was talking to him because he has done and is continuing to do great things within his company. And I'm, I'm really just so excited for him. And, you know, there's also something that's just so refreshing about seeing someone do great things that came from the same place that you did. It kind of gives you that feeling of like, I can do it too, you know? And uh, as an Aggie alum, anytime that we cross paths with another Aggie or recognize them for doing something tremendous, we always say Aggie pride. And what a lot of people don't realize is that our chant is also an acronym that stands for achieving great goals in everything, producing renowned individuals dedicated to excellence. So... I mean, it's only right to bring him on the show. Am I right? But no, in, in all seriousness, I really could not think of a better person to interview than him who is literally changing the game in the rental industry. And for those that have never heard of his company, Boxed Up, let me tell you why it's so awesome. So basically, Boxed Up is a fast, simple, and convenient way to rent equipment. For instance... Let's say you and your closest friends are planning on taking this epic trip to Cabo and you all want to capture this moment because it's about to be a movie, right? But none of you own a drone to get that epic aerial shot. None of you own a studio camera, a gimbal, or even a selfie stick for that matter. You're just looking to borrow some high quality gear for a fraction of the price because truthfully, this stuff is super expensive. I mean, have y'all checked the price for a DJI drone recently? Those things can span from $300 to almost $2,500. Plus, you don't even travel a whole lot or know much about film to even want to own an expensive drone like that. You only want to use it just for a trip without having to break the bank. Especially with inflation being at an all-time high, interest rates being astronomical, and then stocks being down. We are on a budget and don't want to have to overspend to capture a special moment. This company allows you to do just that. And it isn't limited to just recording trips, right? Maybe you're looking for specific tools you want to rent. Boxed up. Maybe you want to dabble in photography and rent a mirrorless camera with epic studio lighting. Boxed up. Or maybe you want to get into podcasting. They literally have podcasting kits that have all the equipment you need to get started that you can essentially rent for as long as you like. Even for all my side hustlers out there, you can even list your own gear to rent and get paid. You adjust the price, they handle all the listing, provide you with tracking info for when your gear arrives, pay you, right? And cover the shipping costs and insurance. Y'all, it's literally like Amazon Prime and Turo had a baby and created Boxed Up. At least 
that's how I look at it. But it's pure genius and truly a great company. So I'm glad I had the chance to sit down and talk to Donald about his endeavors and just learn about all the things that he's done that has gotten him to this point. And uh, man, you guys, I mean, we talked about all sorts of stuff from his early childhood, him going to college and majoring something that he wasn't in love with, making the hard decision to scrap a failing business and start over, to starting Boxed Up in a hundred days and then earning over a million dollars in investments after leaving Amazon nine months ago. So without further ado, let's take a listen and hear more from my friend, Donald Boone, everyone. Thank you so much for uh, meeting with me. How are you today? Uh, I'm good, man. It's just, I mean, I feel like every day is crazy, so I, I can't, I got to stop saying crazy. Yeah. But every day is insane. It's just, um, imagine Amazon, but mm -hmm. like five times, 10 times worse, just because every, there's so, there's such gravity to it. Like, right. If, yeah. if, if it doesn't work at Amazon, right. Like what's mm -hmm. the worst that's going to happen? Like, all right, cool. You know, maybe this next cycle, things might not go well or the yeah. doctor you didn't go great, but yeah. if, it literally feels like life or death uh, with everything that we're doing right now, which is good and bad. Yeah. Um, it makes every day like matter for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's just so interesting that you're saying that, you know, the gravity of it, because you did take that huge leap of faith, um, leaving corporate America, right? Because you did previously work at ExxonMobil, um, you transitioned to Amazon, and then you left to start your own company. Um, yeah, man. And then it's not even just you that's on this, right? It's also your family. Like, there's just a lot at stake. But um, would you say that it's all worth it? Oh, without a doubt, I would do it a hundred times yeah. out of a hundred every single time. Um, my family, people and their families, you know, people dependent on boxed up for healthcare, like it, it, it gets crazy. Yeah. Um, but then after a while, you kind of get used to it. But yeah, no, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's it's the most stress and the most fun all, mm -hmm. all at the same time. Like the reason why, like, have you gone like skydiving before? Oh man, I want to. I want right. to. <laughs> so you got to go skydiving. Uh, where do you live right now? Um, I'm currently in San Antonio, Texas. Dope. All right. So skydiving is everywhere in Texas. For my first time, I went twice in like a month in Houston. Yeah. Um, dopest experience ever. But I was going to say all that to say, like, it's the reason why, like, it's scary to jump out of a plane, but it also feels like one of the best things you ever had to, you've ever done. Yeah. It's super, like, exhilarating. It's, like, super stressful, super scary, but, like, it's also some of the most fun. So you can't have that much fun and, like, take no risk. So yeah. yeah, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Wow, that's awesome. Well, hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll go skydiving one day. I'm assuming <laughs> you've been. Have you been more than once, or? I mean, I'm, I've been twice. I went the first time, and I was like, this is crazy. I gotta go again. Yeah. Uh, and then I went within like two weeks. Wow. Oh my God. That back to back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in two, they they're smart. Like they want to get you hooked, so they give you a discount. Um, oh, okay. If you if you jump again within like the the first month. Yeah. 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 Okay, that makes sense. Cool. Well, um, let's go ahead and dive right into it. I know that you're a very busy man, so I want to be respectful of your time. Um, but um, again, thank you for coming. Um, this episode is dedicated to game changers, right? Because um, I believe that your company is a game changer um, with it being you know, set apart from the rest of the rental industry. So please, can you just tell us a little bit just how your company is a game changer? Well, first off, I appreciate you thinking of Boxed Up as a game changer. Um, to, to put it concisely, I think the way that rentals have been thought about, even the word rental, it took me a while to, to figure this out, but it, it has like almost zero cachet. Like if you mention cryptocurrency, if you mention Bitcoin, yeah. Web 3.0, like people are ready to jump out of their seats. But when you mention rentals, people are like, okay, that, that's kind of boring. Um, but, but really this aspect of is easy as it is to rent a home from Airbnb or rent a car, uh, someone else's car, an individual's car on Turo, I always sat back and wondered why it's not the same 
for stuff I have laying around the house. I'm throwing a party this weekend and I just need some speakers for a Friday and a Saturday. Where do I go to do that? Or um, I have to, I'm going to another country and I want to rent a jet ski for a couple of hours. Like, okay, so I got to walk to the beach and like haggle with the people on, mm. on the side of the beach to figure out if the price is good. Um, or if I, you know, I'm, I'm hanging up a, a TV over the weekend and I need something uh, to drill some holes in the wall, I have to go uh, to Home Depot and stand in the line and fill out a paper form to like borrow tools. And I just kept banging my head against the wall. I was like, well, why doesn't anything that connects people on an app uh, exist like that? And I, I really couldn't find any place like it. Um, that allow individuals to come to a platform to monetize their equipment and that allow people who needed to do something and for a very short period of time to rent it in a really easy way. So I, I like to think about boxed up in long term as the vision to do that. Um, but over the next few years, really focusing in on doing that in a very specific space for content creators. So um, cameras like the one that I'm, I'm renting right now, we want to make it as easy the same way boxes show up at your door at Amazon in a couple of clicks and it's easy in a few hours. We want it to be the exact same way for people uh, renting things on box stuff, starting with cameras. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Honestly, um, man, when I heard about boxed up, I was like, dang, why not think of that? You know, it was like, it was like one of those moments, you know, right. so it, it's it feels awesome. so obvious, right? You're right. like, yeah, of course that already exists. Yeah. And it's crazy because literally a year ago, um, I was going to take my very first uh, solo trip to mm. Jamaica. I was going to get out of the country and I wanted uh, a way to really like capture, you know, all of it because it was my first time. And um, I was thinking like, dang, like what is all the equipment that I'm going to need? And I was thinking, okay, well, if I want like an aerial view of like, you know, the, yep. uh, the place that I'm staying at, I'm going to need a drone. drone. Right. Yep. I'm yep. going to need, you know, a selfie stick. I'm going to need this. And then when I was adding it all up, I was like, dang, this is like over a thousand dollars and it's just not within my budget. So I'm asking, you know, friends like, Hey, you know, I know you got this drone, mm -hmm, you know, can I mm -hmm. borrow it? And it just never worked out. So to see that there's an actual company that's letting you rent, um, equipment like this is just awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's the cool part, right? Like it, it started because I had that that same pain point that you mentioned of just yeah. wanting to try things. I was a tinkerer. I actually had a couple of drones, but I never used them. And I kept thinking like, man, I think more people would fly drones if they could just borrow it for a yes. couple of days. Yeah. So I started, I listed my own stuff on the website. I was like, let me throw up a quick Squarespace page and figure out if anybody rented anything. The first product that we actually rented was a drone. So um, wow. that, that story is home for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so take us back a little bit because we, we've heard about, you know, all of your success with, you know, boxed up and then of course, you know, the seed investment, which we'll get to later. Um, but take us back because it, it, I know that your success story hasn't always been linear, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the pitfalls that you, you've experienced during this journey. Yeah. I mean, I, the way I'd answer that is you're gonna have pitfalls no matter what. And one of the things that I've had to start accepting is that it is very normal for me to have setbacks, for uh, me to try to do something and it not work out, for us to try to scale to larger companies uh, or customers and service providers and things not go the way that is planned. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a deep question because I could go at, at any point of our experience. I mean, the fundraising process ex experience and setbacks there, um, thinking that, uh, everybody was going to be sort of jumping for joy. Um, when I, I told them that I was going to go full time and do this, um, but not feeling like, uh, you know, family members were sort of hesitant to kind of get behind me. Like, well, what does this mean for, for us and for our security? Um, so, you know, I, I hate to do this, but I'll turn it back around and say, you know, what area of the process? Cause I can, I can go back to my childhood. Uh, I can go back to a couple of weeks ago, uh, to, to talk about pitfalls for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, let's actually bring it back to your childhood. Let, let's okay. start there. Yeah, no. So I'll tell you one, and I've started to look back on this experience more fondly, but um, just growing up in my neighborhood, right? So I grew up in a city called Sea Pleasant, Maryland, uh, a suburb of Washington, D.C. 
and all people did in the area was hoop. You either played basketball or you sold drugs. It's like one of those two. You ain't doing pretty much nothing else outside of that. And it was really, it was rare to see people that were, became successful that did anything outside of those. So a lot of people that I grew up with, the people that we aspired to be at that point in time were like Allen Iverson and Tracy McGrady. So, you know, my, my brother and I, we, the, we were the kind of the weird ones uh, that didn't fit in. I would ride the bus to school with people in my neighborhood and then I get to school and then we part our separate ways. They go, go over to this class and then I go over to the, uh, you know, the tag class with people that didn't look like me and kind of just growing up in, in that environment, not feeling like you necessarily fit in uh, at home, at the crib, um, in your neighborhood, because you were kind of like the, the the smart little outcast that that kind of sat on the side. Thankfully, I could play basketball, so I fit in with everybody. Okay. But then, you know, also riding the bus to school and showing up in a fitted hat and baggy jeans at the time and not really seeing myself in any of my classmates as well. So not fitting in anywhere that I was at the time, I didn't think about it at the time, but honestly, it's kind of served me great because I just got comfortable like, look, I ain't gonna fit in no matter what I do, right? So instead of me trying to fit in somewhere, I'll just be myself. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can play basketball, but I'm also, you know, smart. So call me a nerd if you want to, um, but, but that's what I am. So that's one of those things kind of growing up in that neighborhood. I think the kind of another difficulty uh, is sort of growing up with limited resources. So I've told this story um, in other places before, so I'll, I'll tell it again here, but my mom, work retired FBI uh, my father actually didn't have a job because he was uh, battling a drug addiction so since the age of three uh, I really didn't have a sort of stable place to come back home to um, where you know mom was supporting in her ways and dad was supporting in her ways it was really a, a volatile situation uh, as a child because I really didn't know what I was going to come home to so I mentioned basketball pops didn't come to any basketball games and that had this emotional emotional toll on me and my life and my upbringing. Um, some days I had to walk to school because dad didn't feel like taking me to school. And we've since sort of mended our relationship, but even kind of growing up in an environment like that, when you have a drug abuser in the home who also is sort of taking out their struggles and their mental challenges and their challenges as, as a child on you sort of unknowingly, right? And how that impacts you kind of growing up. And it's one of those things, my brother and I talk about it a lot, but you know, had I not gone through that, I don't think I would have been able to weather some of the storms that I've had to weather now. So I definitely look back on it, been able to mend that relationship with my pops. Um, and then to look back on it, like I'm actually thankful it happened when it did, because I feel like I'm, I'm much more able uh, and suitable to kind of co conquer whatever I want to, honestly. Yeah. Wow. That's that's amazing that you're able to turn your pain in and in, into something that's successful. Right. Um, what about recently? I know that you said, uh, you know, you've, you've experienced something a couple weeks ago. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, so I'd say along this journey, right, there are, um, you've got this idea in your mind of how it's going to go or how scaling yeah. a company is going to go and how exciting uh, it's going to go. But just to make it real, right, like um, my wife being an amazing supporter uh, of me and my journey. Um, but then to also have discussions like, all right, let's look at our bank account. How much security do we have uh, over the next few months? And then really uh, having to come to uh, my life partner and say, look, you know, it's gonna, we need to live a little tighter than we're typically used to living um, because your husband, um, the father of your kids is, made a decision on sort of what is seen as sort of a, a long-term decision for the health and the well-being of our family but in the short time it's going to take some sacrifices so you know even conversations like those are really really difficult to have because i might have a vision um of what it's like and, and feel like i want to uh I, I i'm comfortable living my life a certain way because i grew up this way um i think every entrepreneur or anyone who's sort of used to just like hunkering down and just like, nah, I saw good. I eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and top ramen and I'd be fine. Um, I got other people to worry about. I got a family, I got kids, they have expectations. So the last thing 
that I want to do is sort of have my kids or have my family not have the things that I had um, just because I made some decisions. So I'd say very specifically, just moments where uh, I feel additional pressure because I feel like I want to make sure like my kids have the absolute best childhood and upbringing possible. I want them, I want them to have everything and I want the same thing uh, for my wife. But but struggling internally, knowing that it doesn't make the most sense for for me to do that or I can't do it because boxed up is not at the point where I want it to be, um, where I can basically kind of do come and go as I please. I've got to be more mindful and more thoughtful um, about how we spend money, how we save, how we plan for the future. Right, right. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm glad that you touched on that because um, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, it takes a lot of strength on your partners in too, because even though she may not have started the company, she's in this with you, right? Exactly. And it takes a really, really strong uh, partner to be able to withstand all the things that you're going through as a CEO and founder, making the decisions. I, I do have another question. I wanna know like, where does your ambition come from? I, I know that, you know, you can suffer from burnout sometimes, but how are you able to dig deep and find that inner fire to keep going? Yeah, that's a tough one. I would say there's not probably a, a single moment that I look back and was like, that's the time where like the ambition got sparked. But I'd say it's just sort of sprinkles throughout my life, right? Like whether it's uh, losing a family member or whether it's sort of growing up and looking at my aunts and uncles and the things that they had and kind of wanting to be like them. Um, but I, I keep always coming back to this thought process and I keep trying to tell myself before any sort of big decision or from struggling or from hitting a wall and I, I really got to dig deeper is like, Donald, like you got one single life to live. Like mm. you're going to die. And like, this is going to be it, at least for your time on this earth. Um, so I, I keep trying to put myself in that mindset. Like, all right, if, if, if I look back on myself a couple of years from now, will I be happy with the decisions I made? Um, will I look back on myself and be proud for overcoming what I've done? And I think trying to root myself in that long-term thinking to say, all right, you know, I know you're struggling right now, but what are you ultimately going after? And, you know, to, you got to take breaks too, right? So like, I'm, I'm human like everybody else. I definitely get points where I feel, I felt like I'm burnt out and, you know, it might be two o'clock on the Thursday and I'm like, you know what, let me go for a walk around the neighborhood or I'm done working today. I don't have any more meetings. Cool. Um, I, I'll, I'll log off for a little bit and, and recharge, but always keep in the back of my mind. Like I got, I'm, I'm working on something bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I'm going to have this feeling like, you know, it's a lot of weight. Uh, it's a lot of bur burden. I'm facing burnout. If it were easy, everybody would be doing right. it, but Everyone it's not, yep. everybody would be doing it. So I, I got to keep that mindset. Like what you're doing is difficult. What you're doing is uncomfortable. This growth, this season for you is uncomfortable. But out of that is something much larger on the other end. Even if it's not, even if it doesn't mean box up is successful, my mentality and my perspective on the other end will be completely different in shape from the struggle that I'm going through right now. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I got to ask you, um, do you have any uh, role models, maybe like family members, a professor from, you know, a and I, I don't know. Like, do you have any? It always, and I hate to do this um, okay. because it's, I feel so cliche, but it's it's my mom. I mean, it's oh, the day after Mother's okay. Day. And I, I mentioned the story about my upbringing, upbringing and my home, but my mom would literally like be at work at her desk and I'd be like, Ma, I need a ride to school. Like she would leave her, leave her job, ride the Metro home just to drive me to school and then take the Metro back to work. So it's something crazy, like seeing someone you love so much, sacrifice so much for you while also like busting her butt to work hard and like just kill it in all aspects of life. So I, I think I definitely, and my, my pops was a hard worker too. Um, but, and again, I mentioned it sort of in the past, I really didn't have a lot of people to look to and be like, you know, that's who I want to be. And, you know, when I was younger, I aspired to be a, a basketball player. That's why I played through high school, but sort of consistently throughout life has kind of always been my mom. Like, 
you know, all right, mom, what's next? Or, or what should I do? Or mom, I got this right up. I got this right up. Like, here are a couple ideas. My mom still proofreads like everything um, before I post it on the oh, internet wow. to this day. Wow. Um, so, so definitely, definitely my mom for sure. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, there's, there's nothing like a mother's love. You it's know? nothing like it. <laughs> nothing like it. Yes. Um, so take us back to, you know, college, right? Um, you got a, a bachelor's in mechanical engineering, correct? Yep. So yep. what made you want to pursue that instead of business? Would you, I mean, switch majors if you could? Yeah, you know, that's a great topic. And if, if I were going to, if I were just focusing on what I, what my passion was, it, yeah. it definitely would have been business. Yeah. Um, but it, when I was in high school and I made my decision uh, to choose my major, it really didn't have anything to do with what I enjoyed, to be honest. I remember that, remember it okay. to this day. Yeah. I was, again, I mentioned my mom watching her struggle. I was like, listen, the last thing I want to do is have to ask my mom for any more money. I'm tired of her working for me. Like she ain't, she ain't going to do it no more. I'm going to be buying her stuff. So I, I, I literally is like what majors pay the most money. And at the time the oil and gas industry was booming. Yeah. Um, it was 2004 and I was good at science and math. I did like science and math. I always was a tinkerer and I was like, all right, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, um, chemical engineering at the time was booming and they paid the most. So I was like, I'm going to do one of those. So I started off as an electrical engineer, got through one period of CSS, um, C++, got an A in it. And I was like, I can't do that. I got to, I got to switch it up. Like I like cars. Cool. I'll be a mechanical engineer. So it was kind of always rooted in um uh, rooted in wanting to earn money but by my junior year i had a couple of internships worked at michelin tire company worked for shell worked for chevron i was like you know what i don't really love anything i'm doing and i'd be there for three months i'd be in solid works designing stuff and again i was good at the stuff but i didn't like any of it and it was for the first time i took a step back and said all right before you graduate and pick a job and pick a career that you're going to be unhappy in, like, what do you actually want to do? So I extended my, my school year uh, one semester. So I did four and a half years and basically took 18 hours worth of business classes. I took um, wow. intro to marketing, management concepts, entrepreneurship. I competed in a business plan competition. Um, I took accountant. I took all these business classes because they're like, I want the exposure to see what it's actually like. It was one of my, my favorite semesters ever because I enjoyed every single class. I killed the business plan competition. I still remember I got in second place. I'll never forget that. Um, but it was sort of then that kind of sparked me to say, okay, I think I can actually do this. Like I can be an engineer but also have a business mind and think like a business person. In high school, I was like selling candy. I was selling my mom leftovers. I was selling all of this stuff. So I was all, already a hustler, but mm -hmm. I'd yet to combine it with the, the school and the academic piece of it. Um, and that, that semester truly changed me. So when I went out and started working at ExxonMobil, it was in a business related function. And really my, my whole life has kind of been different um, based on that standard and that semester and that experience. Wow, off of one decision. Yep, yep, wow, that easy. Wow. Um, that's awesome. I'm, I'm actually glad that you were very open and transparent about that because I feel like, you know, as a recent grad myself and then a lot of um, other students who are in college making that decision, you know, on what, um, you know, major that they should pick and, and go to, you know, what's the industry that makes the most money? Um, I feel like that's just something that a lot of parents have instilled within their children is, you know, go where the money is, you know, yep. if they tell you, you know, oh, I, I want to pursue, you know, the arts. Oh, well, that doesn't make you a whole lot of money, right? Exactly. But that's where your heart is. And I, I just love how you were able to, you know, just, you know, take a chance and actually go for where your heart was. And that was business and entrepreneurship. And here yeah. you are today. No, I, I know. Right. And I, I completely agree. I mean, I always say it, it took me a lot of time to get back to where I am. But whenever I get a chance to talk to young people, I try to encourage them as much as possible. Like go where your heart is. If your gut is telling you something, no matter kind of no matter what you do, it'll end up pulling you back to sort of what your North Star is and what you're truly where your your happy place is. And I started way over there in engineering. And yeah. here I am. Um, you know, 15 years post-graduation and, and back being an entrepreneur, kind of where I, where I always thought I would be. 
That's awesome. And I give you credit for taking on mechanical engineering because I have <laughs> friends who are engineers and are doing great. And what I remember one time, cause I was, uh, I was talking to uh, an engineer uh, a while ago and I sat in on one of their classes. It was a uh, nanotechnology man. Yep, yep. Ooh, that, <laughs> that class is no joke. Like, I give y'all credit. Seriously, it's it's really hard. The classes is crazy. I mean, I had a nuclear engineering course. So, I mean, we're stud studying in Chernobyl and any and everything um, sort of way out topics. But I say, honestly, I am a nerd, right? I still do appreciate those classes. Like, I look back on those classes and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I know why tornadoes happen and i know why like water builds up on the the top of a straw before spilling over like all that stuff kind of stays with you yeah. but yeah the classes i mean some of this stuff like you know differential equations i'm like why am i learning this i'm never using this in my life now some of my my classmates still use that stuff and i laugh at them for it, I don't <laughs> have to do it um but yeah some of that stuff is crazy yeah um, so when I was doing a little bit of my research about, you know, how you started Boxed Up, I, I came across, you know, how you did it in a hundred days. Mm. Explain to us why a hundred days? Yeah, it, it, so it's all around this idea of scarcity. And one of the uh, sort of principles, the leadership principles at Amazon is mm -hmm. frugality. And in the back of my mind, I used to always think it was all about money, 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 but it's not necessarily money. It's the concept of when you have scarce resources or you will find a way uh, to make do with whatever time you have, um, how many team members you have, how much money you have. And by artificially constraining your resources, being frugal, in this case, uh, time, it forces you to make some really challenging decisions. I don't have uh, 12 months, 365 days mm. to get this thing off the ground. If I got to launch it in 100 days, what sacrifices will I have to make? And it just puts your mind in a state of, all right, I don't got time to make it look perfect. I'm going to make it look good enough. And in my first startup that I launched in 2015, I didn't go well. What I learned is I put way too much time in thinking that I knew what customers wanted and thinking that I could hypothesize every single thing. We made this beautiful app, function great, everything looked gorgeous. And then we went out to try to sell and nobody wanted it because I spent five freaking months trying to design this thing beautiful. So I said, I won't make that mistake again. Ten, no more than $10,000 and I'll do it in 100 days. And if it can't work after 100 days, I'm gonna go on to the next thing. So in that 100 days, I just kept forcing myself like, man, the website is close. It's not quite where I wanted to be. But based on my timeline, I got to be done right now. So I hit done. And then I go to the next thing. And I just kept doing that over and over again. It also forced me to work some long hours too, which was kind of also the case It's like I want to be done at eight. But I got more stuff to do. It's going to be a midnight kind of night. So I think sort of constraining yourself, even artificially, those artificial dates, I think they work. It forced me to get the product out. I hated it when I launched it. I was like, absolutely hated it. But my timeline said it was time. And I'm happy I did because by pushing it out, I got feedback and then people started telling me what they wanted. And I was able to actually react uh, and move a lot quicker and go in a different direction. Had I spent years and years and years sort of in stealth trying to build the perfect thing. So you mentioned how you started uh, a, a company. I believe it's called Olio. Olio, yep. Olio. You're the first person to pronounce it right. Yes, the first time. <laughs> awesome. Um, so when that didn't go as you predicted, right? What made you get back on the horse again and, mm. and try another company? Because you know, I feel like a lot of people kind of teeter totter between you know scrapping a business and then you know starting over or just kind of holding on and. And, and seeing if it could, you know, take off. Yeah, it was one of the hardest decisions I made, right? I was, I started in 2015. I invested about $100,000 into that business. I mean, a lot of resources in building a product that ultimately sucked that people didn't want. But um, it was 2017. And I remember I was at a, a restaurant because it was a restaurant app. And I kept thinking of different ways that I can sort of reapproach it. And I had to reconcile with the fact that um, it was the wrong product, but the idea wasn't bad. I think the idea is still a good idea. My approach was just wrong. Mm -hmm. And what kind of gave me confidence is any entrepreneur out there, any builder, I'm sure they've gone through this experience where 
you'll have something in your head you'll think it's a good idea but then you just won't do anything and then like you'll be walking along your day you'll see an email or you'll see a website or you hear a news story you see something else like i had that idea um a few years ago i had that idea a couple months ago and it kept happening to me i would tell my wife like if i see another business idea that i thought of that i just didn't do like i'm gonna go crazy and it kept happening to me over and over and over again so it was almost this sort of process and like encouraging myself like donald it's not your ideas it's just the execution so like keep writing the ideas you got to keep taking a swing at it and then you just got to make sure the next one you structure it in a way that makes sense because the idea is all right. So it really was sort of me looking inward to say, all right, my ideas aren't bad. The approach is bad. But for this specific one, there was far too much money spent. And if I didn't get it right, the next go round, it was just too much to sort of try to turn and rebuild the, the company the right way. Um, and it was time to kill it. And, and killing the idea, honestly, is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Yeah. Were you scared to take that leap of faith uh, going into Box Up or where was your mind at? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I was scared for a couple of reasons, right? Like being transparent, I was scared of what people would think. Like I just had a business. I just blasted it all over Facebook and Instagram. My mom talking about it. My friends talk about it. Look what Boone is doing. He's doing all these different things. Look at Olio. A couple of people even gave me money for it and i was effectively quitting on it and shutting it down so like to then have all of this sort of social equity tied up in one thing and then to kind of go back to the table and say uh all right yeah that wasn't the one this but this is the one like get excited about this one was tough right because i think i got caught up in this idea that like people needed my things to work and then i just kept sort of going back to the table and saying like look you are making progress by trying like it, it takes more effort to try than to sit on the sidelines and just watch so um i really kind of got over myself and was like all right forget what people thought about olio it didn't work this might not work either and i was just transparent so from the beginning of my process with box up i've always been transparent like look here's my idea i think it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be the next Airbnb. I'm going to be the next Jeff Bezos. I literally, I tell my investors that like, this is, he's starting in books. I'm starting with cameras. It's the same thing. I have that same confidence, but then I also say it might not work though, but I'm still going to run at it a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And I, I think having that perspective and being transparent has honestly relieved me of like this load of feeling like everything got to be perfect. Cause I told y'all out the gate, it might not work. So yeah. Um, you know it, I know it. And, and now, now that everything is kind of documented and open, um, it's helped me. It's been super therapeutic and me kind of getting over my fears of like mm -hmm. hitting posts on this LinkedIn or hitting send on this email. Cause I'm not necessarily tied into everything going perfect. I'm just like, look, I'm trying, I'm doing, I'm happy. I'm happy in the process, not necessarily happy in the result. Yeah. So as you said, you know, you, uh, you've worked at Amazon before, and uh, you got to see a lot of like, you know, how the structure of the business is. Mm -hmm. Do you, was there anything from Amazon that you really liked and took and, and applied it to Box Up? Yeah, for sure. I think I don't start Boxed Up without my experience at Amazon. And it's not like there's any, any sort of trade secret or or anything that sort of informed me to say like, this is how the wiring works. So this is how it's gonna work at Boxed Up. It was just more around like seeing it every single day. I think there's one thing to like see it as a, a customer yeah. and to experience and like, okay, I'm gonna re recreate this. But it's another thing to like put strategy and tactics and motions in place around this concept of a marketplace. Mm -hmm. And then when you do it over and, and over and over again, and then see how much value is created from both sides. I mean, seeing like these really massive companies that didn't have storefronts, didn't have brands. I mean, brands would just launch on Amazon and only Amazon, it'd be their only channel. 100% of their revenue would go through yeah. uh, Amazon. This idea that I could also create a platform that was that transformational to people that let small businesses or mom and pop shops or large enterprises kind of do the same thing. It was like, man, how dope would that be? 
um for me to do it and for it to be a black dude at that so like that was kind of other thing in the back of my mind is just like yeah i want to build a marketplace and oh by the way like it'd be even doper if it was a black that would have what if jeff bezos was black like how crazy would that be um you know you had kids out here running around you know trying to be engineers um instead of everybody trying to be basketball players so that was kind of also my, my secret motivation behind it. yeah that's that's awesome um another question that i have for you is if you could go back in time right was mm. is there any advice that you would give yourself to your younger self maybe Ooh, i love these time traveling ones um <laughs> do it earlier do it earlier I, I think that's my biggest advice i think everything i've done i probably could have left amazon a year earlier i mm. should have left exxon three years earlier um i launched it um box up initially in 100 days i could have done it in 50 days like just just move more quickly i think you always think you have more time than you actually do and what i've tried to sort of stress upon myself is like any day worth any any day doing something that I don't want to do is a is uh, a life not necessarily worth living. So I don't want to spend any extra amount of time being unhappy or being in a space or being at a company or being in a relationship if it, it doesn't contribute to my bottom line happiness. And there were days when I look back like, man, I probably could have left that job six months earlier or look for that change. But changes change is scary and you know even when you're changing roles right like there's this you know fear not necessarily fear but like you know in the back of your head like man the first six months of like ramping up for this new role is gonna be tough because i'm gonna be speaking new language i'm gonna be in a new team i gotta learn new people and a new manager um and a new company but now that i've just forced myself to like change so frequently i look back and like you know what it's actually not nearly as bad as you think it is um, you kind of just hype yourself up that it's going to be that bad, but you eventually get over it and you look back. It's like, oh, cool. I'm like, I'm happy I made that change. There's not a change that I've gone through. And I look back and I'm like, ah, I probably shouldn't have done it. So knowing that, just do it. Rip the bandaid off and do it faster. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Interesting to hear you say that uh, you could have did it in 50 days. That, that I mean, that's just what, like a, a month and a half? It would have been worse, right? Like it would have been even uglier, but um, it would have it would have gotten out there um, even faster. So there's some there's some times when going slow is good, but at the very very most infant stages of a startup, um, you're still it's just still just a hypothesis. You're still just testing and measuring. You're doing a lot of small bunch of experiments. I think even now, like we're in the process of launching a, a rebranded experience. And we're going out and we're selling to customers without the product in our hand. Um, so even that is a, a concept oh. of like just going out, kind of selling what you got or selling an idea, getting customer feedback, and then just building what they ask you for, or building what the feedback says, not necessarily making all of these guesses and kind of building what you hope that they want. Yeah. You, you recently just raised, I believe, what, $2.3 million worth in seed investments, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. Um, gotta ask the burning question. Yes. Is it too late to invest? <laughs> <laughs> you got to, right? Um, it is too late, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. Um, but the next go round, we will have a broad community round where we let, you know, not any and everybody, but we let anyone who wants to support boxed up and want wants to invest uh early on uh to get in we did a small friends and family round but i do want to make it larger i think one of my the things that i've been intentional about is like letting our people um get in early in early stages instead of waiting to the company ipos and trying to throw your money in it and hoping you get a return getting in in the early days so i wish that um sec requirements were different and i could have publicized and, and got the word out there a little bit more but I yeah couldn't. Okay. Well, you know, just just let me know. You know I, think <laughs> I got I may you. need to set a little bit aside, but no. I got I'll... you. I got you. <laughs> set a couple of RSUs aside. And, yes, uh, please, sir. You. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but no, I, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm super uh, happy for you and just all that you're doing. And I just can't wait to see your company take off and where it'll be in just five years. 
Um, like I said, I wish I would have thought of something like that, but it's great to just see, you know, a fellow Aggie uh, fulfill his dreams and, and make it a dream come true. So kudos to you. I appreciate it. Really, I will literally say it, it does feel like I'm living a dream. I will be mid-meeting and just like break out in a smile. Like, look at this. They talking about boxed up. I mean, I, yeah. I swear to you, I will like my team members have seen me just like smile on a meeting because I'm like, this is this is the life like this yeah. is this is everything I ever wanted like right yeah. here. So I'm super That's appreciative beautiful. of the opportunity. You know, it, it's crazy because um, it was around the time and I'll never forget this. It was around the time when you um, you posted on LinkedIn mm. that you were leaving Amazon. Mm. That was a week that I had got hired. It was my very first week when I actually oh, wow. got hired and I saw your post and I was just like, he's leaving? Like, what? <laughs> um, and, and I'll just read it really quickly. Today is the day, my last day at Amazon. What's crazy is like a lot of people working at Amazon was literally a dream come true. Prior to being hired, I can recall vivid memories of sneaking away during my lunch breaks to dive into the March 2017 Fast Company that featured Jeff Bezos. I obsessed over the culture, the pace of innovation, the products. It was insane. Everything that they worked on seemed so much more enjoyable than anything I'd ever done professionally. So I took the leap. My time there lived up to the hype. Customers' faces, leadership principles, and product roadmaps were plastered onto the walls. People in a seemingly equal amount of dogs shared workspaces. Uh, the work was awesome. The people were better. But as much as I enjoyed it, being a full-time entrepreneur has always been my number one dream. And while statistics suggest that Boxed Up Inc. will fail, statistics also suggest that a Black kid from Seat Pleasant, Maryland shouldn't even be here in the first place. Am I crazy? Definitely. Will it work? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the that's the amazing part. We'll all find out together. So whatever you do, do it scared. If you're not, you're living your one and only life too safe. Um, how do you feel now? You know, because that was nine months ago when you when you wrote that. How do you feel now after you left? It's crazy. Um I've never had anybody read it to me. I got chills a couple of times uh, listening to it because I remember how it felt writing it. And yeah. I, I hoped that it would make the impact that it's had because I literally, I mean, I literally remember what it was like and walking in a conference room and like seeing all these customer faces. I never seen anything like this and just like walking around and I'd be with my, my book bag or go to the ghost store. I just do some work out of the spheres. Like life was just so like cush and chill and yeah. like fun. And um, to leave that was tough. Like, you know, life is good. Are you sure you want to leave this? Like you are good, you are comfortable. Like, why would you ever leave? But just knowing, you know, having that pit in my stomach, like, man, like I think it might be something even better on the other side. So no, listening back to it is, uh, it's kind of crazy. Um, to be honest. So, so thanks for that. Um, I feel 10 times, uh, the amount of, um, enthusiasm now that I did when I wrote that, I'm just happy I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, when, when I saw that it stuck with me hmm. and I, um, you know, I didn't even know that we had went to the same university. I just saw that, you know, it was on my timeline. We both worked at Amazon. It said ex Amazonian. And um, I just found that it was just so strange how I was coming in and then you were leaving. And then I, I, I promise you it was, someone had posted your seed investment that, that you had made the $2.3 million yeah. on Instagram. It was one of their stories. I was like, I know that guy. I've oh, seen that's him. Dope. I've seen him. <laughs> I like, I gotta talk to him. I got to. Um, so thank you so That's much dope. for just making my dream come true and having the time to be able to sit and talk to you and just um, watching you flourish with Boxed Up, you know, learning and taking on these new things. It is truly an inspiration. I guess my last question would be, you know, since you, you, you've become successful with this business, do you feel like there's anything else that you're still learning or trying to figure out? Oh, every day. I mean... And I don't, I'm trying to make sure I word this correctly, but I'll just say it like, I don't, I don't think 
I'm successful yet, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. right? Like my measuring stick is, I'm gonna say it again, Jeff Bezos. Like my measuring stick is Jeff Bezos and, and Elon Musk and Brian Chesky and Jack Dorsey. So if my measuring stick are is billion dollar companies, then I don't think I'm not where I want my company to be yet. So yes, the seat is closed. It's a start. Yes, there's been press, but press doesn't equal success. Like, I just feel like I got so much further to go. Um, but I am uh, happy to hear, you know, folks like you be impacted by something that I deem, you know, kind of small. I just sort of see it as me sharing my experience. So that's what I'll say on the success part. I don't necessarily feel like it's a success quite yet, um, but I appreciate it. No problem. And again, thank you so much. That's all the questions that I have for you today. Dope. Again, thank you so much for just being an inspiration, not only to me, but just a generation of people. You know, I'm 100% boxed up fan. I can't wait to see where it's going to be in like the next five, 10 years from now. But I will always have this moment just to look back on and uh, just cherish it forever. So again, thank you. The honor is mine, man. I, I appreciate it. Um... Seriously, I mean, I, I do part of the reason why I go as hard as just like I know somebody out there that could benefit from like, look, if I can make it from Sea Pleasant, like, yeah, trust me, yeah. you can make it. I was I want to just like post a picture of like the house I used to live in. Like, it's possible, yeah. man. Yeah. Anything's possible. So I, I appreciate you reaching out. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to do an interview, too, for real. No problem. Especially it's for Aggie. Anytime, man. I anytime. know. Oh, this, this is great. So please, you know, keep in contact. Uh, I, I hope that that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, hopefully maybe we can see each other at homecoming, you know. Gee, huh? I'm going to take a couple off, man. My <laughs> wife already, she's like, you're going to go down? I'm like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I got him. I'm on a mission right now. I got I got oh, this I, window of opportunity right now. I ain't going to miss this shot right now. So I'm going to put homecoming on ice. Maybe yeah. 2023, though. Okay, uh, I, okay. Hopefully I'll be there. Yeah. All right, sir. Well, again, thank you so much. And thank you, you take care. Have a great rest of your day. All right. I appreciate it. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Wow. Well, you guys, that's all I have for you today. I really hope you were able to take something valuable from this message. But most importantly, I hope this inspires people to pursue their purpose and live life to their fullest. As Donna would say, do it scared. If not, you're living your one and only life too safe. Again, happy Father's Day, everyone, and I will see you next time. Bye.